know the reason for your visit this morning. Maybe it's you're looking for a church home. Maybe you're just coming, visiting, passing through. Maybe you're just seeking some encouragement this morning. Whatever the case is, we're so thankful that you're here. Like our brother Aaron mentioned in the announcements, in the back of your pew, there's a visitor's card. Make sure you take that out and fill it out. Uh, we want you to pass that in to me. There's a box in the foyer. You can give that to one of our shepherds. All we're going to do is write you a note and say thank you for being here with us and invite you back out uh, because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Before we begin this morning, I've been tasked to invite you again, I think this is the third invite so far, to our potluck, I shouldn't say potluck, our fellowship luncheon after the service today, okay? Um, We've got some soup, salad, and breadsticks, just like the Olive Garden, okay? So we want you to come on out and enjoy some of that with us, and if you don't think it's as good as Olive Garden, just come and try it, and we'll see, all right? So we'll see. Uh, And want to say this, if you didn't bring any food, that's okay. We still want you to come. We're not going to look at you funny. I may, but we're not going to look at you funny. You can come on in. We want you to come and stay with us. Want everybody to stay. You're welcome. We invite you to stay, especially our visitors. Come and eat with us so we can get to know you better and fellowship with you and just get to chat because uh, I think this meal is going to be a really good one for us as we uh, got a couple of things that we're going to be doing back there today. So want to make sure you come out to that if you get a chance. During the month of February, we have been spending our time talking about love. And naturally, right, February is the month of love, so we've been talking about love the entire time. And I've entitled our sermon series, What's Love Got to Do With It? Right? And you recognize that title, you're familiar with that song. Uh, And we've been spending our time talking about this. We have been working our way through a couple of principles that will help us understand how to love others even more. So in part one, week one, we spent our time studying the second greatest command, which is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we gave you some principles to follow on that, and hopefully you've been implementing some of those ideas. In part two, week two, we talked about how to show love with words, because one of the easiest things that you can do to show people how much you care about them is just by saying a kind word or two to them, encouraging them, lifting them up, building them up. It does wonders for people. So we talked about how to use uh, or show love with words. And week three, which was last week, I gave you some principles on how to love others like Jesus. And finally today in week four, part four, as we close this series out I want to spend some time talking about forgiveness because in order to love people, in order to love people, you have to learn to forgive them. Otherwise, it's going to be hard to love them, amen? So you've got to learn how to forgive. So the title of the sermon this morning is Love Let's It Go. And I'm not playing the Disney song. A couple of people asked about that. I'm sick of that. Okay, so Love Let's It Go. And I want you to just think about that, marinate on that concept for just a little bit. Love lets it go. Love lets it go. If you didn't know, I'm going to give you a a couple of definitions this morning uh, about people groups that we encounter from time to time. And these people groups are known as VDPs. VDPs, okay? So if you're taking notes, 
Just write this down. VDPs. Have you heard of that term before? It stands for very draining people. Okay? There are VDPs in the world wherever you go. Very draining people. And you're going to recognize every one of these people groups as I mentioned them this morning. But there are, there are four special cases in particular, okay? There are difficult people. There are demanding people. There are disappointing people. And there are destructive people. And you have all of these four different groups of people in your life wherever you are at a given moment. And you've got to be aware of those people. And God says this about those people. So what? I want you to love them anyway. And chances are when we think about people groups or, or, or people that we have trouble loving, they fall into those categories. And what I love about the, the God that we serve is he says it doesn't matter. I put those people in your life on purpose just for you so you can learn how to love them. So that's just something I want you to think about this morning as we process this material together. VDPs, very draining people. The first people group that I want to mention is the first one that I just kind of talked about, difficult people. Have you ever met any difficult people in your life? None of you? Wow, I'm just really impressed by that. Some of you are like, yes, so many, in fact, that I can't tell you how many I've, I've run into and encounter on a daily basis. That's right, there are difficult people in your life and in the world. And you know who these people are. We don't even really have to kind of go through the definition of this because you already, you already know who they are. They're people who are just hard to work with. Whenever you have an idea or ever you're trying to work with them, maybe they're in your job place, maybe they're in your family, maybe, you know, they're in some kind of other social circle. They're just, you can't get along with them for whatever reason. You say one thing, they say the exact opposite just because. Always just want to throw a monkey wrench into the dynamic. They're hard to get along with. They seem to be unpleasable and they're often cranky. Have you met people like that? That's the difficult people. And they're in your life all over the place. And then there's another group, and they're called the demanding people. And I want to tell you something about demanding people. They have an agenda. And you're a part of their agenda. They have an agenda. Uh, these people are aggressive. Have you met demanding people? They're pushy. And whenever you're around a demanding person, you always feel a bit manipulated. And there's demanding people that you know right now that are in your social circle in your life. There's also disappointing people. And these people oftentimes don't mean to hurt you, right? Maybe these people are people that you love. They love you. You're great friends. But for whatever reason, they just can't seem to keep their promises or fall through on what they said they'd do. And they end up disappointing you. And you have to deal with the disappointment of them not following through on their commitments. There's disappointing people in your life that you have to learn how to deal with. And then the last group, which is probably the hardest one to deal with, is that there are people in your life that are destructive people. These people want to harm you. These people are intentional, and they are out to get you. And it's sad to say that, but it's so true. There is evil in this world, and there are hurtful and hateful people and deceitful people that want to harm you. 
And you've got to be aware of that. And I know we don't like thinking in those terms. We don't like talking about that. Everybody's good. Everybody's good. I, I don't know about that. I say there's evil in the world. And some people are so indwelt with evil that they can't see any other way to function. And they're out to get you. And Jesus says, when it comes to all these people, you got to love them anyway. And that could be very, very hard to do. So this morning... Let's figure out how to do that. Let's learn how to do this together. The first passage of Scripture that I want to look at is, of course, found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, right? That's where we go to start this whole conversation off. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and see what the Bible says. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. In the last two portions of this text is what I really want to focus on this morning. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love is not easily angered. That means if you love someone, you're able to keep your cool under the circumstances. Love is not easily angered. It takes a lot to get a person who truly loves you to be upset. It takes a lot for Christian people to get upset. Amen? Wait a minute. (laughs) It takes a lot for Christian people to get upset. Amen? It should, right? Because we know what love is. And if we know what love is, that means we should be people that aren't easily angered. We should be as cool as the other side of the pillow, right? But sometimes it's hard to be that way. Love is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrongs. You see, we tend to be long-suffering sometimes with family, or at least we should. But when it comes to our neighbors, how long-suffering are we with them? How often do we get mad during the day at someone else? I wish we had a tally. I wish we can write that down and just kind of think through that. How often do we get mad at someone else? How often are we upset in traffic? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Thanks for the transparency. How often, right? How often are we upset? Because if we truly love people, we say, you know what? We're able to keep our cool and we don't get flustered. We don't get riled up because we love people. And that's a hard process. That's really, really hard to do because you have VDPs in your life and they're in your life on purpose. God put them there. So it's hard not to get angry and, it's angry and it's hard not to keep records of wrongs. I struggle with the records of wrongs every day because of my next door neighbor. It's true. I, I mean, she's still, I don't know what the problem is. Every morning, let your dog go to the potty just on the lawn. And one morning I saw her and she was outside letting her dog do the thing. And I looked at her and she looked at me and she said, good morning. And then walked off, and I'm thinking, I just saw you, and it's right there. You know, it is hard not to get bitter and angry and to keep records of wrong. It's really hard because God puts people in your life, and you've got to learn how to deal with them. Next passage, Romans chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. Here's something else that we've got to think through. Um, Romans chapter 14. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. 
Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment. If, if you hadn't underlined that text in your Bible, make sure you do that. Let us stop passing judgment because it's really easy to pass judgment. That's what we do. We do that well. We like passing judgment. We like putting people into boxes so that we can figure them out. They are this way, and, and now we got it, right? Let's stop passing judgment. If you think about the context of this passage, you guys know it re- well, right? In this passage, uh, there was an issue going on. There was uh, idols in the world at this time, during this, this time period, uh, Christendom was growing. There was meat sacrificed to idols, and they were being, that meat was being sold at the marketplace. These new Christians were wondering if it was okay to partake of this meat or not that had been sacrificed to idols. Some Christians were saying it's just meat. It doesn't matter. An idol is nothing. Other Christians were saying that's meat sacrificed to idols. You shouldn't have anything to do with it. And there was this, this, this problem. And what these Christian people were doing with the other Christian people is they were passing judgment on them. Because you don't think this is okay, or because you think this is wrong, obviously there is something wrong with you. And I'll put you in this box. Because you don't believe the same way I believe, and because you don't think the same way that I think, you're obviously this way. And when we start putting people in boxes, and when we start judging that's when we can get really nasty, can't we? We can get really rude. We can get really nasty when we start putting people in boxes and we put labels on people. Just recently, I was uh, with a group of local pastors from our community. They invited me out, and we were going to work on some kind of ecumenical ministry together, right? And right when I show up at the meeting, you know the first thing they say about me? Jason is from that Church of Christ on Marguerite. And I hear the whispers already. (laughs) And lo and behold, we had that initial meeting, and then we broke for a couple of weeks, and we had another meeting. And one of the pastors of one of these local churches came up to me and said, Jason, Jason, I just... I want to sit down and talk with you, and I want to bring my elders from my church along, and we just want to sit and talk with you because we're concerned about joining you in ministry together. I said, oh, that's fine. I'd love to sit down and talk. So we sat down and talked at Starbucks, and this person came out, this pastor of the church, he said, uh, uh, Jason, you know, I'm getting a lot of kickback on doing ministry, this ecumenical ministry with you, because you're Church of Christ. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, that means you're guilty by association. I said, what on earth are you talking about? Guilty by association. And he said, yeah, Jason. Um, And they pulled out this long list of of paper, right? And I guess it was uh, Wikipedia quotes about the churches of Christ that they had. And they went down the list. We have a couple of questions for you, Jason, real quick. And we can't work with you if this is the case, right? So they said, hey, Jason, you know, we realize you're, you're a young, hip, cool guy or whatever, but your church believes they're the only ones going to heaven, right? And they were asking me all these questions. You guys don't believe this. You think that instruments are a sin, right? And you guys think this. Because of that, Jason, we can't work with you. And I said, I wish instead of putting me in the box or putting our church, Mission Viejo, in the box, that you'd get to know us first. The Mission Viejo Church of Christ is a great church. You haven't even come and visit, so how are you going to put, me in, put us in a box? You don't know what we're about. But they said, you know, we can't do that. So that ministry talk broke down, and we aren't doing anything now. 
because of the boxes that people put us in often. It doesn't help with reconciliation, doesn't help with unity. It helps with nothing when we pass judgment and put people in boxes. It's a tough thing. It's tough being a Raiders fan, amen? Because <laughs> I know you're judging me. But we got to be careful about the boxes we put people in because of what happens next when we put people in boxes. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. You see, when we put people in boxes and we don't understand and we start judging, here's what we do next. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. You see, when we start passing judgment and we put people in boxes, the next thing that we like to do is we like to slander. They are this way. They are that way. This is why. That is why. But the Bible says we've got to learn to be considerate and to be peaceable to all people. You see, judgment oftentimes equals slander. But the Bible says we've got to learn to be peaceful and considerate to all men, even Raiders fans, right? I mean, to all people, we have to learn how to be peaceful and considerate, no matter how they are. Those VDPs, peaceful and considerate all the time. So I want to leave us with a couple of more principles, and then the, the message will be yours this morning. In order to be lovers and to let things go, we've got to be proactive and not reactive, right? And that's the, the whole principle. You, you understand that concept. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 16, verses 20 and 21, and, and this gives us some context here. New American Standard Version here is what we're reading from. He who gives attention to the word will find good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The wise in heart will be called understanding. And sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Sweetness of speech. There's something about using sweet speech that can help change situations. Salespeople understand this really well, don't they? They get sweetness of speech. Not too long ago, uh, when we were living in, in Sacramento, in Northern California, uh, it was time for Mary and I to buy a new car. So Mary said to me, Jason, you can go trade the other car in. And when you go to the car dealership, make sure you get something affordable that's family friendly. I said, that's no problem. We'll go make it happen. So I go to the car dealership and I show up. And right when you're looking at the cars, what do the car dealer, uh, the, the, the guy does? He comes out and he says, hey, is there anything I can help you with? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm looking for a family friendly car, something that's affordable, good gas mileages. He says, oh, I understand that. Well, let's go look at this. So we went over and we looked at like a, a Ford Focus. And I said, no, nah, that's not really it. He was like, yeah, you don't want this car anyway. I hear what you're saying about affordability and gas mileage, but what you really want if you're staying in the Ford family is you need to get this Mustang. I said, you know what? You might be right. I think I can fit the family in it. And he said, you know what? It is family friendly because once you put that top down on that convertible Mustang and your wife is riding in the front, she's going to be happy to be a part of this family. I said, you know what? I think you're right. So we went over to the Mustang and I got into the front seat and he said, go ahead and lay that top back. I laid the top back. He said, you know what? You look good. And then I said, you know what? I, I think I do. I think I do look pretty good. And he said, I can just imagine you with your wife and your two children in the back seat. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. 
So that day he said, you know what? I'm going to offer you a great deal. I'm going to take a thousand off. I said, you know, that's a great deal. And that day I ended up buying a Ford convertible Mustang. And I remember when I drove it home and Mary walked out of the house. She walked out and saw the car and she did an about face and walked back into the house. She won't have anything to do with me. I got into a lot of trouble that day. There's something about sweet speech that can persuade you to do things, right? Sweetness of speech. Now, we're not using sweetness of speech to try to coerce people or get people to do our will, but we use sweetness of speech to instill in people confidence and to make them think that we, we really do love them and we care about them. That's why we use kind speech. You know what? You're good at what you do. Keep up the good work. I'm so proud of you. We're not saying that just for show, but we're doing that to show people that we care and to show them that, that, that we do love them and to instill in them, like I said, some confidence, some self-esteem, some value, some worth. You've got to use kind words, and I love it so much here at our church when I hear those words being used amongst us. It's so powerful, you know? You're really good at that. Keep up the good work. Oh, it, it's so moving. And what we do is we just kind of change the identity of of things when we use good words. You ever heard this term? Kill them with kindness? That's a weird term, isn't it? We're talking about love. But you've heard that term before. When it comes to VDPs, very difficult people, what you do is you kill them with kindness. And I used to think, yes, I can kill them using kindness. But that's not, that's not really the principle. That's not the idea there. But that's something that we use often, right? I'm going to get back at them by being kind to them. And that's not the mentality that we should have. And that's not really what, what, what Scripture talks about here. But I want to look at uh, Romans chapter 10, 12, excuse me, verses 20 and 21. And I love this, 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 this idea here in Romans chapter 12. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Look at that. If your enemy is hungry, church, Christians that love others, we are called to feed them, our enemies. Yes, that's right. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And you guys know you like that part, don't you? You're like, yes, burning coals, burn them, burn them. But that's not the, that's not what, that's not the message here. The message is that you're doing something by being kind to people that aren't kind to you. And what you're doing is you're showing them love. It's like the Grinch. Have you guys seen the Grinch, the Grinch stole Christmas, right? Remember how his heart was all broken and, you know, shrunk down? And when the people were loving on him, his heart grew, 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 right? That's kind of the principle here, the idea here. When you love people, it changes things. And you're ridding them of that sin in their life by loving them. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, with VDPs, very difficult people, it's easy to get, in it, get it into it with them, isn't it? When they start all that stuff, it's easy to lash out and to combat and to say, you are this, you are that, that. But that's not what we're called to do as Christian people. If we really want to love people, we're not called to do that. We're called to be kind, even in the midst of that. So this weekend, we had a playoff game. Um, my, my, my girls' basketball team, Team Storm, we made it to the playoffs. Uh, so we went uh, this weekend, and we played uh, two games during the playoff. And um, during the first game, one of the coaches came up to me and said, hey, hey, Coach Darden, you know, just want to say to you, good luck. But unfortunately, you're going down. And I thought he was joking. I said, <laughs> that's a good one. 
And he didn't smile back or laugh back at me, so he told me that he was serious. And I said, are you kidding me? This guy, did he just say that to me? Did you just say that to me? And he was serious about it. He said, you're going down. And then his daughter played on his basketball team. His daughter went up to Alayla and said, Alayla, you guys aren't that good and you're not going to win. And Alayla came back. She said, Dad, you won't believe what this girl said to me. And I said, you know what? Her dad said the same thing to me, you know? And we were thinking that I had, a, I, had a real, I had to make a decision quickly. I could have lashed back out because, you know, I'm a short man complex. So I want to go up and give him a piece of my mind. But I said, you know what? We're, we're not going to do that. We're going to wait till we meet them in the championship. And then we'll let our actions show. So this coach was in the first round, and he was playing this other team that was the fourth seed. And this coach that said something to me, he was the first seed. But guess what? He got beat that very first game and didn't even make it to the championship. So after the game, I went up to him and I said, hey, coach, so unfortunate. <laughs> I said, you guys had a great season. You're such a great team. It's just unfortunate. Things like that happen sometimes. You know, I was really trying to be kind. I really, I really was. But I didn't even have to say anything. And he just took out his hand and said, all right, good job. And he just kind of walked away. And I was just thinking, see, this is just, you know, when, you, when you're able not to react, usually God comes through in big ways, right? When you're able to keep your cool, God fights for you is what Scripture says often. So when it comes to very difficult people, if we're able to keep our cool and keep our composure and to be kind and respectful anyway, God comes through in, in big ways. And then lastly, I want to leave you with this verse, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Love lets it go. And when we're dealing with VDPs, we need to keep this passage with us. This is the one that I really want to end on. This is one that is so powerful but so hard. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? You know, I kind of agree with Peter, right? Seven is enough. You keep messing up, I'm going to give you seven chances. And then seven is enough. One for every day of the week. There you go. I like the math. But Jesus answered and said, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times 7. He said, let me give you another math equation here. 70 times 7. Wow. So the principle that we keep with us through this passage of Scripture is that when it comes to VDPs in your life, your job is to forgive and to love them no matter what. And the reason why they're in your life today is because God wants them in your life so that you can learn how to love more completely, so you can learn to love like Jesus. And if you're able to love VDPs, boy, I tell you what, the sky's the limit. God can do some amazing work through you when you're able to keep your cool and you're able, like the Disney song says, to let it go. When you're able to do that, you're in a power position and God can do some miraculous and mighty things through you. By way of invitation, we've got a song selected. If there is anyone here this morning that has been falling short in this area, maybe made a couple of mistakes, maybe lashed out in anger, maybe not loving those VDPs as you should, because it's difficult. It's a challenge. We fall short. All of us are guilty of it. This invitation is for you. You can come forward. The church will pray with you, will pray for you, to encourage you, to build you up, to help you, because I know that VDPs are very hard sometimes, and we, it's just difficult. Now, some of you this morning can't even work through that process of loving VDPs because you're not in Christ yet. Because when you're in Christ, he gives you the power to be self-controlled and to help you love unlovable people. Maybe there's someone here this morning that's not a Christian. You need the power of God in your life 
You need the life-changing blood of Jesus Christ in you. You need the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you with this very difficult task. And this morning, if you're not a Christian, the question is, is why not? Why not? You ought to become a Christian today. We've got a baptistry ready. We'll immerse you in water. You'll come out of the water, be washed away from your sins. The Holy Spirit will be inside of you, and there's nothing on earth that can stop you from living the life that God has called you to live. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation?